Reconstruct Your Faith, a podcast where we talk about American Christianity and the growing trend of deconstruction. Hey, welcome to another episode of Reconstruct Your Faith. Now, if you haven't listened to the last few episodes, I really hope that you do, especially last week's episode. On the last episode, I talked about progressive Christianity and the exvangelical movement. We are in a time and era of people leaving the church, trading their old beliefs or their uh, what they are taught to believe and what they are brought up in for a new gospel, a new belief system, and this is called progressive Christianity. Now, I'm sure I got a lot of flack for last week, and I know that progressive Christianity is kind of a blanket terminology to describe anyone who is self-proclaimed as deconstructed and no longer part of the traditional Christian church. And so I'm sure that many people had some disagreements with the descriptions of progressive Christianity because we went over just like three main identifiers of progressive Christianity and what its philosophies are. One was a low view of Christ, meaning they don't really see him as the son of God, more as a uh, good guide for morality. Two, because of that, they also focus more on moralism and not salvation, meaning they, they don't really teach that you need redemption and salvation, but that you need good morals. And three, they downplay the fallenness of man, meaning they, they don't really see us as sinful. They don't view man as having a problem that needs to be fixed, like sin. And those three just all go hand in hand. And not to get too political, but you can see how this really ties in with the progressiveness of our society today in America. I know that there was probably some issues with this take on uh, progressive Christianity because some people probably don't fall into all those categories. And so I figured maybe I should speak to a progressive Christian. And maybe I could find someone who is a, an authority over the topic and see if we can have a conversation and see eye to eye. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe we do have more in common. Maybe it's just secondary issues. You know, like Protestant versus Catholic, or Baptist versus Methodist. For the most part, we all believe the same things. We all have the same Bible, and we all believe the same basic, um, fundamental truths, the, the essentials. A lot of times you'll hear people talk about that as the, um, the main issues and, and anything else is secondary. Meaning if you believe, say in the deity of Christ, but you don't believe that women should be pastors. Well, that really is a secondary issue. Because if you believe in women being pastors, you're, you're still a Christian. It doesn't affect your... 
it doesn't affect the salvation. And so when we talk about secondary issues, we're usually referring to things that are not essential to salvation. If you believe that, like for example, some people, some denominations believe that baptism is required as a final step to salvation, and others don't. But we all believe in the importance of, of, of baptism, and so it's a secondary issue if you believe it's required. So, uh, I couldn't get anyone on such short notice, but I do have a way to find out what someone who is an authority in this topic, find out what they believe about the key issues, and see if we are on the same level, and see if um, maybe this progressiveness is just secondary issues, and we shouldn't even worry about it. Maybe I'm making, uh, maybe I'm taking this too much out of proportion. So the person that I picked, none other than Reverend Brandon Robertson. He is a pretty popular, quote unquote, pastor, self-proclaimed progressive Christian pastor on TikTok. So the first question, obviously, is that uh, as a Christian, we believe that Jesus, as the Son of God, went to the cross to be a blood sacrifice for the sins of the world. And we believe that through his death, burial, and resurrection, we can receive new life by believing in him. And this uh, atones and forgives our sins. We have a new slate. Brandon, do you agree? What if Jesus didn't die for our sins? but rather because of our sins. You see, the way I read the gospel accounts of Jesus's life and teachings is that Jesus came into the world proclaiming a message of radical grace, of justice, of equity, of loving our neighbors as ourselves. And as Jesus proclaimed this message of truth and goodness, we in our brokenness and in our sinfulness, we felt shame and conviction. And so we lashed out, we condemned him, We called him evil. We crucified him because in his proclamation and demonstration of goodness and love and grace, we stood condemned. We stood guilty because we knew we were living in a way that God did not create us to live. Well, you make a a decent point. Uh, Except we... We, I mean, I don't know. We were obsessed with violence. We were obsessed with greed. We believed in an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said, love your enemy. That's the path to the life and the world that God desires. See, Jesus didn't die as a sacrifice to appease an angry God who needed blood to forgive our sins. No, Jesus died because humanity was exposed in his presence. The way we organize our lives. See, now right there, you were on the right track, Brandon. See, he says that, he he, he poses it as as a question, what if, what if he didn't? And I'm like, okay, you have my attention. What do you mean? What if he didn't die for, but because? I mean, honestly, that's the same thing. Uh, He died because, and he died for. 
But right in that last sentence, he didn't die to appease an angry God as a blood sacrifice? Have you even read the Old Testament? Do you not understand the law that was placed? This right here is a, is a clear example of whiting out parts of the Bible that you don't want and and proclaiming the parts that you do. And that's what he's really doing. He He's ignoring the fact that for thousands of years, the Jewish people have been following a law given by God. Now, I mean, obviously not, I'm talking about but before Jesus. For, for years, the law was given to the Jewish people as a way to be holy, as a way to be God's people. This was so much more than just going to heaven. This, this was a way of life. This was a way to, to, to live according to God's standard. And when you didn't meet his standard, every year, the priest would offer up a sacrifice. Now, he's kind of right, because in, from humanity's perspective, yeah, um, the Jewish people, really the Pharisees, got angry at what he was teaching, and they killed him. I mean, they, they offered him up to be, sacri- to, to, to be killed to be executed. If you want to look at it from humanity's perspective, that's exactly what happened. Uh, the people of the time, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they claimed he was teaching blasphemy, and they found a loophole. They took him to Pontius Pilate, and they said, this man is disrupting uh, our peace. He is teaching things. He's broken our law. And he's causing riots. See, at the time, the Romans were trying to keep violence down in Jerusalem. And, and this was a time uh, of, of Passover during their celebration. But yes, that's that's exactly what happened. They they took him to Pilate and said, "This this man is. We arrested him, um, and we have judged him for breaking the law. Um, but we're not allowed to punish him um, because of I don't know. I want to say it was either the Sabbath or their their festival. And so they took him to Pilate, and they said, "We want him executed." But as that all sounds good and, 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 and wonderful to be a part of, Brandon, this message of love and grace and being kind to each other, you're, you're missing the importance and the seriousness of our sin. That it was because of our sin that we needed a sacrifice. It was because of our sin that we that the people put him up for execution. But if he wasn't supposed to do this, 
it would have never have happened. Jesus went to the cross for us. And, and you know what? I'll, I'll even say it. You're right. It's, it wasn't for our sin. It was for us. He died for me, and he died for you. And I don't even know if you know that. I'm not sure if you understand that, that he died for you. I feel like, Brandon, you're so hyped up on proclaiming your own agenda of this all-accepting, all-love, and there, there's nothing wrong with you kind of agenda and message that you are forgetting the fact that Jesus didn't die be, because our sin. He didn't die for our sin. He died for you. He died so that you could live. He died in your place because of the Jewish law. And this salvation offered to Jews was offered to Gentiles, which is us. But you really miss it when you, when, when you, when you make this claim that he did not die as a blood sacrifice to appease an angry God. And it's really scary that you would equate Jesus to being really good and God to not so good. Or at least you're implying that the traditional view of Christianity is that Jesus, good, God, bad, God, angry. No no one thinks that. I mean, some people think that, I guess, but most people really think that God is loving and gracious, but he's also righteous and holy and and just and merciful. He's all these things. Let's see something else uh, that um, that he believes. Because if you don't believe in a salvation, and you think that Jesus was just a good moral person, a good guide for our morality— Oh, and he didn't die for our sins, but he died because of humanity? Then what is the point of salvation? I mean, what is the point of believing in God? What happens to people that don't believe? Do they, do they go to hell? Is there a hell? Here's why hell's not real in 60 seconds or less. First and foremost, first century Jewish people didn't believe in hell. And therefore, Jesus couldn't have believed in hell. How could you know that? When Jesus is using words that are translated in our modern Bible to hell, he's using words like Gehenna, which is imagery. Gehenna was a literal place outside of the old city of Jerusalem, where the ancient pagans used to sacrifice children and where people would dump their garbage and light it on fire in order to get rid of it. Jesus is saying that those who don't follow the way of Jesus, the way of love and justice, the way that opposes greed, they're going to end up leading themselves towards Gehenna, towards destruction. It's not about God's judgment. There is no God that exists that wants to torture people for eternity. No, the scripture says God is a God of grace and mercy. And there you go again. Okay, so hell's not real. Apparently he knows the thoughts and and, uh, personal beliefs of every human in the first century, and even Jesus. They didn't believe in hell. And I'll give you that. I don't think they believed in hell either. Except when Jesus was teaching, he said things like, uh, it is better to cut off a hand that causes you to sin 
than to enter hell. Isn't that interesting? So, if you don't believe in hell, you believe that Jesus was referring to a uh, pagan location, geographical location, that was um, a metaphor for, metaphor for? That was a metaphor and imagery for pagan idolatry and uh, and destruction, and that Jesus was saying... Hold on, let's let's go back and see what he said. Jesus is saying that those who don't follow the way of Jesus, the way of love and justice, the way that opposes greed, they're going to end up leading themselves towards Gehenna, towards destruction. Okay, so people who don't follow the way of Jesus, the way of love and grace, they're going to lead their se- themselves to the to a life of destruction. They're going to lead themselves to Gehenna? Well, actually, I just got to say that you're kind of right, but you're kind of wrong. Gehenna, um, it's a valley called the Valley of Gehenim, or Son of Hinnom, or Ben Hinnom. Uh, it's referenced multiple times in the Old Testament. And it was a place where Judean kings... Um, would sacrifice uh, there was a place where some Judean kings sacrificed their children. Um, it was a place of pagan idolatry and children sacrifice, not garbage fires. Let's just make that clear. And yes, Jesus was using a word that they knew. How many times in the Bible? Did Jesus point blank tell them this is what it is? Uh, never. In fact, we know one time that Jesus told the unadulterated truth to the disciples, but we don't know what was said. We know that Jesus spoke in parables and um, stories and language that the people would understand, but also in a way that the people wouldn't understand. And so these people understood traditionally that when he said Gehenna, that he was referring to a place of fire and sacrifice and pagan idolatry and destruction. And so in their minds, they would go, oh, Gehenna, that place that is now cultural reference for destruction and paganness and evil and torture. I mean, it's so funny that, you'll, that you're saying hell's not real, and yet you actually say that those who don't follow the way of Jesus are going to be led to destruction. So, then don't, for, don't believe in a literal hell. Okay, that's fine. I don't care if you don't believe in a literal hell. I don't even know if I believe in a literal hell. But goodness, your message is so messed up. You're you're saying that that there's no such thing as hell, which we as Christians in America believe to be a place of eternal punishment. Oh, where do we get that? Well, because uh, in Matthew 25 it says, "Then they will all go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life." It very clearly says there is eternal punishment. I'm not really sure if I care. 
which uh, if if eternal punishment is is a fiery place and under the earth or a lake of fire or or if it's some kind of spiritual torment or uh some kind of misery some kind of personal hell uh i'm not really sure if i care what it really is I, and i think it's very clear that um it's not said exactly what it is in the bible it's all um kind of spoken about poetically with images and metaphors but so is heaven i mean are you going to take that literally so you're you're going to say that when when the bible talks about hell it was imagery but when it talks about heaven it's not oh but you probably do who knows what your heaven is the point of this is that there is an agenda honestly and it's clear that they are twisting the scriptures to fit what they want and it's sad because the main thing that Brandon wants here is to proclaim the message of accepting homosexuality and the LGBTQ. And if that's what you wanted, then why don't we just do that? Why do you have to twist the scriptures and make a new gospel that takes away salvation and takes away the sacrifice of Jesus, and takes away the grace given to us. For you, grace is just love and kindness. But for me, and for many Christians, grace is the very fact of being forgiven and loved when we don't deserve it. I mean, you can choose for yourself, but I think progressive Christianity is a very slippery slope and if you want to be a christian that that loves lgbtq community that didn't make sense if you want to be a christian that um accepts and loves um the lgbtq community great um no one's saying that we shouldn't uh well except for a lot of unfortunately churches I think that's just a thing that we don't know how to go about because we know that it's not God's design or intention and it's so hard to to love someone without sharing the truth. I think it's very hard for Christians to to love and withhold the truth. And yet, we also have a very hard time trusting God. I mean, why can't the church just teach the gospel? Just teach the good news? Why does the church have to still focus on the hell, fire, and brimstone? That if you don't do this exactly the way I say to do it, you're just going to hell forever. I mean... Come on. Well, I mean, that was just two things. And, and all wrapped up, it, it doesn't seem like me and Brandon would see eye to eye. Um, it's very sad that he won't point blank. It's, uh, 
it's very sad that he point blank says Jesus didn't die for our sins, that he wasn't a sacrifice to appease an angry God. And if you don't want him to be appeasing the angry God, why don't you just teach the truth that he was... I mean, because it wasn't to appease an angry God. It was, it was to provide a way. It was to bridge the gap. It was to do this in our place. Because the Bible is clear in the law, in the Torah, and quite frankly, John 3.16. In the very beginning, Adam and Eve, if you eat of this fruit, you will die. Did they die right then and there? No. But when they die, death forever. I mean, the Bible's clear that the only thing waiting for us without Jesus, without putting our hope and trust in him, is death. That's the only certain. That's, that's the only thing certain in our life is that we're going to die. John 3.16 Whoever believes has eternal life. Whoever doesn't believe will die. And, and yet you diminish that beautiful gospel, that beautiful good news, the wonderful grace that we received to, down to just being loving and kind and nice and accepting of all. I want to share with you a quick little tidbit that kind of goes in with what I was talking about in this episode about Jesus' sacrifice. So, hey, guess what? Did you know that Jesus was not whipped with a cat of nine tails? And he was not whipped 39 times? Now, I was actually never taught about the 39 times, but apparently it is something that is widely held, uh, a belief that is widely held. Apparently, it is a widely held belief that Jesus was whipped 39 times, and it was by a cat of nine tails, and I have heard that. But it's actually not in the Bible. I just found this out, which is kind of interesting. That really, the all four Gospels and everywhere else in the Bible uh, uh, just says that he was beaten, scourged, whipped. I mean, it doesn't really say with what or how many times. The gospels, use, uh, the gospels use the word scourged. Now, where do we get the number 39? Well, uh, Paul talks about being beaten by the Jews 39 times. And that was uh, part of the Jewish law where in a certain circumstance, you should beat a man only 40 times, no more. and because the Jewish people were very afraid of God, they decided to make it 39. That way they could, they, because they were afraid of losing count and doing more than 40 and being punished for it. So they, they made it 39 times. But we know that Jesus wasn't whipped by the Jews. This was by the Romans. They were much, much, much much more harsh. The punishment Jesus endured was way greater than 39 whips. Now, we do know that traditional 
tools used. Um, I actually don't know where the cat of nine tails comes from, but we know that what he was probably whipped with was a wooden handle with leather strips coming off of it. It didn't have to be nine. Could be three, four, five. With metal balls, shards of bone and pottery. And then there are places in Isaiah that describe the uh, extent of his torture. So that's just something to think about again, that Jesus endured this, and it was way worse than just 39. It was an incredible, incredible punishment. And then after that, he still went to the cross and died. And he did all that for you. He didn't do that because humanity was prideful and arrogant and didn't like his teaching of love and we wanted to hate people. Why would that make any sense? Because we were already told to love. In fact, when Jesus asked, what's the greatest commandment? They answered, love the Lord your God. And there were commandments about treating your, about uh, loving your neighbor. And, and the second greatest commandment was love your neighbor. <laughs> they knew this. They didn't need Jesus to come and tell them how to love. No. Whatever political, cultural, societal reasons that the Pharisees decided to accuse and arrest Jesus of blasphemy and condemn him to execution, capital punishment, that was just the means to an end. The end was Jesus dying as a perfect sacrifice and to offer that, offer himself as an offering to God as atonement for our sins. He is the high priest for all Christians. I just want you to remember that. Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode. And uh, if you want to know more, please reach out, join our Facebook group, and uh, we can have some discussions. And if you're ever curious about some beliefs and some teachings about um, or that you've heard growing up in church or in churches today, reach out and we can go over them. I'd love to hear from you guys and that way we can uh, give you some answers. Anyway, I'm out to the outro. Wow.